Welcome to Simply Stated, a podcast by CSBS, the Conference of State Bank Supervisors. I'm Jim Kurtzke. My guest today is Joe Face. He is commissioner of the Virginia Bureau of Financial Institutions, where his department oversees banks, credit unions, trust companies, and non-banks. We recently met in Richmond to discuss regulatory issues in Virginia. Joe is about to celebrate his 40th year in the Bureau, where he has spent the past 22 years as commissioner. In fact, by the time he became commissioner, he had examined just about every institution the Bureau supervised. Today, Joe discusses his role as part of what is known as the fourth branch of government in Virginia, the unique organizational structure that appoints commissioners, how Virginia has grown over the years, his involvement with CSBS that goes back to the 1980s, his current role with the FFIEC, and where he spends his time as Virginia's financial regulator. To quote Joe, we get 70% of revenue from banks and credit unions, but I spend 70% of my time on non-depository issues. And money transmission is the main focus of Joe's attention. It is the fastest growing segment in terms of license applications and inquiries. And technology is proving to be the great disruptor. Let's go to the interview. I am here with uh, Joe Face, uh, down here in Richmond, Virginia, uh, uh, in the great Commonwealth of Virginia. There are only so many Commonwealths in the, in the United States. Uh, Virginia is one. Uh, Joe has uh, graciously invited us down here to kind of chat and talk about uh, issues uh, that are on his desk, you know, uh, uh, as the, the chief financial regulator here in the state of Virginia. So, Joe, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. My pleasure. So uh, this is take two. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see if we can get this right this time. <laughs> um, the you have been um, at this bureau for for quite some time, um, and uh, you have been uh, uh, in in the state of Virginia for an even longer time. Um, how did you get to be the commissioner of the Bureau of Financial Institutions? Like in your career, what were the steps that you that you went through? Well, uh, Jim, yeah, actually, uh, September 1st will be my 40th year here, and I still look back at my career and wonder how I got to be where I am. Uh, it was a very interesting path, uh, certainly not something that I planned, but uh, back in 79, I started here as a savings and loan and credit union examiner and spent the first part of my career examining savings and loans in Northern Virginia. and. Uh, Monday through Friday for maybe six to six months to a year, I lived in Northern Virginia. And uh, that's when I realized that I really didn't want to live in Northern Virginia permanently. <laughs> I, I won't take that personally, Joe, as someone who has spent all of my life in Northern Virginia. But um, I learned quite a bit. Um, I didn't know it at the time, uh, but savings and loans were in pretty rough shape. But, you know, after a number of years and I look back on it, I learned quite a bit. Uh, I actually examined credit unions, too, and uh, 
One of the interesting uh, jobs we had was the Dulles Airport Credit Union. Uh, it was the credit union for tarmac workers. And the uh, manager of the credit union, who was also uh, worked on the tarmac, would um, bring the uh, boxes of uh, credit union materials to our hotel in Falls Church. We'd conduct the examination in our hotel for a couple of days and then call him and tell him we were finished. He'd come get the boxes, and that was the extent of the examination. Very, very interesting. Don't do that today. Yeah, a little, a little different today, right? But um, over my career, I, uh, after a number of years of being a credit union and savings and loan examiner, I moved over to the bank side and examined banks for a number of years. And then from there, I moved into the office and investigated, um, wrote investigation reports for new banks, bank branches, mergers, acquisitions. Uh, other new institutions. So uh, by the time I became commissioner, I had done and examined just about every institution or every institution that we regulate. And I had written reports on uh, all of the structural changes that um, that we receive applications from. So uh, I, I guess my very experience and background probably helped me uh, to some degree when when the job of commissioner became available. And that was in the late 90s, right? That was uh, 97. 97. became commissioner July 1st of 97. And you are then 22 years into that. Yes. But 40 total. 40 total. That's a career. I swore I'd never be one of those 40-year people. And here I am. And when we were talking earlier, you mentioned that your predecessor had been commissioner for a very long time as well. Yes, yes. Uh, Sid Bailey, uh, he was a great uh, mentor and teacher. Um, I had two very good teachers, uh, Sid Bailey and my father, who was a local banker here in Richmond. He taught uh, my brothers and sister and I a lot of um, a lot of uh, things, uh, you know, growing up about money, mm-hmm. handling money, and saving money. That kind of thing. He instilled some really good qualities. And as we were talking before the, the uh, this interview, uh, he was someone who grew up in the Great Depression. Yes. So that created a certain set of values that, that he passed along. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So um, my predecessor Sid Bailey was commissioner for twenty years, and I've been commissioner for twenty two. So we've had two commissioners in Virginia in forty two years. So this is rather unique, and. Um, you know, do you think the long tenures of the commissioners, uh, you have you have a rather unique organizational structure, um, and, and so I'm kind of curious if, if one leads to the other. Um, but you want to just walk folks through the org structure here? Sure, sure. Um, uh, I work uh, in the Bureau of Financial Institutions, which is a division of the State Corporation Commission of Virginia. The State Corporation Commission is often referred to here in Virginia as the fourth branch of government. It's an independent state agency that is headed by three judges who are elected for staggered six-year terms. And I report and serve at the pleasure of those three judges. So in a lot of states, um, banking commissioners are appointed by the the governor. So in this state, uh, in Virginia... You are appointed by a three-judge panel. 
and those judges serve are, are they are they concurrent terms? Do they overlap with each other? Are they they overlap? Staggered? Yeah, they're stacked. They're stacked. They're stacked. Yes. So, so you have a little. So you don't have a lot of like all one all type of uh, judge, and then no. you, you don't get the big pendulum swings. Basically. No. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. So. Uh, what, what I, I find interesting when we were talking, uh, even before the, uh, we started recording, was just, uh, you know, what you have seen change in our state um, uh, since, uh, you know, you came here as a very, very young child. Uh, I think you were, what, like four years old? Yes. Right? Yes. Come from South Carolina? Yes. Um, uh, I moved to Virginia when I was two years old, I think, you know, so... Uh, but just the amount of change that's occurred in our state has been uh, just amazing when you think about it. Like, what are the big things that stand out in, in your mind? Well, uh, I, as we were talking earlier, uh, the population growth in Virginia has uh, has really been uh, amazing. Uh, Northern Virginia is uh, the most heavily populated uh, area of the state. Uh, Northern Virginia, Richmond. The Tidewater area of Virginia is called the uh, the Crescent, and that's where the majority of population resides. Uh, with Northern Virginia, Richmond, and Tidewater, there's a, a lot of governmental employment. See a lot of defense industry in yes. the Tidewater area. Yes, a lot of defense. Uh, the largest military base in the world, mm-hmm. the Norfolk Naval Base, uh, Richmond. We have, um, you know, it's the capital. The head of state government, a lot of state governmental employment here. Uh, that our economic swings in Virginia are not as uh, pronounced as they are in some other states because of that crescent right. and, and that st- stability of employment. But on the other end of the spectrum, uh, we have Southwest Virginia, which is very rural and uh, it's cold country out there, and and we know. The swings that go on in the energy sector and, and the coal business, right? So uh, that's always been a, a, a challenging part of the state uh, economically. And um, but we, um, one of the, I've told people before, Jim, one of the one of the really neat things about this job and having this job for forty years is that I've traveled to every corner of the state, and I think I've been to just about every town. In the state, wow! Uh, probably stayed in every flea bag hotel in the state, <laughs> but I got to see this wonderful, beautiful state. Yeah, in, in all of its very dimensions. Yes, yeah. uh, yes. Two hours you're in the mountains. Two hours right. you're at the beach. Right. Two hours you're at the, uh, you know, in Washington D.C. Uh, it's just, it's really amazing. And, and sometimes we have to stop and say, you know what? I, I need to, I need to stop and look at this. But Jim, I, I actually um, I actually attended my first CSBS school, gosh, in the early 1980s. Uh, mm. So I've I've been you know involved or with CSBS for just about my entire career. That's uh, great. And, and right now you're uh, part of the uh, membership of the FFIEC. The yes. Yes, and that's, uh, I, I tell you, of all the things that I've, I've been able to do in my career, that has been one of the most rewarding things that uh, that I've been involved in. 
just you know, four times a year, uh, being together with our counterparts, uh, with the other agencies, and, and really discussing and talking about the issues that affect the uh, the way we regulate mm-hmm. and the way our regula- regulated institutions operate uh, from you know anything involving call report reform appraisal issues uh, I mean we're right there making those decisions and trying to um, trying to come up with a you know a better way to do it so that's like a, a form for regulatory collaboration yes exactly exactly. That's uh, that's where the rubber really meets the road, and, and uh, we we agencies uh, try to um, make our process better for the and industries that we regulate. You know, you're talking about your role in CSPS. I'm looking over your shoulder here, uh, which obviously our listeners can't see, but there's a framed copy of a CSPS accreditation program uh, award here. Um, what is it about the accreditation programs that, that you find useful? Well, it's uh, it's it's kind of odd in a way because uh, we are being examined like the institutions that we examine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're on the other side, and uh, it's a little uh, little worrisome to some degree, but it's extremely helpful because it's a different set of eyes telling us what they see in us and about us. And we've been able to make some very, uh, very good changes as a result of the accreditation process, things that were pointed out to us that we said, you know what, that's, you're right. We, we really should be thinking about that and doing that. So we, we've embraced it and it's been very, very helpful to us. For the longest time, <clears throat> we were not, um, we were not uh, part of the accreditation process for a reason, and uh, that was because my predecessor, Sid Bailey, was uh, really the ringleader in uh, getting the accreditation process up and running. Mm-hmm. And he always felt uh, sort of um, he felt that uh, it would have been difficult for us to be uh, examined or accredited using the process that he helped establish. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I see. So. He thought that yeah. was maybe sort of a conflict of interest of some type. So we sort of shied away from from being accredited uh, only because of that. And the way the accreditation program works is essentially the state regulators get together and define the standards that they want to see um, uh, throughout the country. And then uh, the, they're applied, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, state by state. Um, the uh, so in Virginia, uh, so different state regulators have the different scopes in their mandate, right? Some just regulate banks, some regulate banks and non-banks, some regulate banks, credit unions, non-banks. So, can you uh, just tell us, like, what, what's the scope of the institutions that you oversee? Well, of course, we regulate banks, uh, we regulate credit unions, uh, trust companies, uh, holding companies, uh, and virtually all non-depositories that are that are out there. Uh, so we uh, we encompass the gamut, you know, of uh, financial institutions, both depository and uh, non-depository. And where do you spend the majority of like your time? Well, it's funny. 
funny, Jim. Uh, I tell people that uh, we we get seventy uh, percent of our revenue from banks and credit unions, but I spend seventy percent of my time uh, on non-depository issues, uh, and uh, it's uh, just seems to be the way it is. Is is the the challenge with non-depositories? Is it just that there are more of them that they are kind of newer? Uh, that there are less established standards. Like so, w- when you spend your time on the non-depository side, what is what is forcing you to to spend that time? Well, uh, it's a it's an industry. Uh, you know, it it was not regulated before, and uh, when you bring in new industries under regulation, there's certainly a learning curve with the industries. And uh, they are not, uh, they were not used to being regulated, and all of a sudden they're under that regulatory umbrella. And to give you an example, I remember uh, when we first started examining mortgage companies back in the 80s. Uh, as a matter of fact, I helped, I wrote our policies and procedures and examination report uh, uh, for mortgage companies. We were only the, we were the fifth or sixth state in the country that had passed a law. And uh, it was a very young industry, regulatory industry back then. But not long after we started regulating mortgage companies, um, uh, we had a, a company, I think it was up in Northern Virginia, actually. And we went by to do an examination. And, of course, our examinations are unannounced. And he told my staff uh, to make an appointment and come back. <laughs> and uh, That's not quite the way it works. We said, no, uh, I don't think you understand. We can come in anytime we want, and we're here now, and uh, we're going to examine your operation. You know, just that kind of thing, mm-hmm. that mindset. And uh, I don't want to say it's uh, it's a prevalent uh, thing, but um, you know, uh, a lot of uh, operations uh, don't necessarily take compliance seriously. Uh, it's more the bottom line, mm-hmm. making money. Uh, compliance is uh, secondary, uh, and it takes a while to convince them, if you will, that compliance should take priority and it should start at the top. So part of your job is helping these co- companies create a culture of compliance, if you will, an appreciation for it, not just for your benefit, Joe, but for their benefit. Yes, yes. And sometimes they learn the hard way. Uh, you know, they will uh, will give them, uh, you know, will give them the opportunity. Uh, but if they don't get it done, uh, you know, the worst case is we take the license away. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they realize that compliance is important. Right. But by then it's too late. So you were talking about the, uh, the mortgage side. So the uh, one other significant sector in non-banks is the uh, money transmission side. Yeah. So w- what... What kind of keeps you up at night about about that sector? Well, percentage-wise, that is our fastest-growing segment, our fastest-growing sector. Really? Um, We get more inquiries and applications uh, in that area. And it's the technology, Jim. It's it's changing so fast. Uh, It's it's difficult for us regulators to keep up with. Um, It seems like... uh, from a regulatory standpoint, we're, we're playing catch-up. Uh, 
it would be nice if we could keep pace with the, the technology changes, but uh, I mean, heck, we buy a cell phone, and within months, it's sort of uh, you know outdated to mm-hmm. some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the technology, so that that's a challenge I think for us regulators, and, and for me, is to keep up with that and try to anticipate what the next uh, you know technology change is. I, I've had people come in and talk to me about licenses. Uh, we had a, a couple of young fellows, very bright, very smart, come in, and they wanted to start a Bitcoin bank in mm-hmm. Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, that never that never got off the ground. Mm. Uh, but the, the, it seems like, uh, to me, this younger generation is constantly thinking about using technology to do things Quicker, faster, and better, particularly in the finance industry. Yeah, you, you know, um, uh, I was talking with uh, Secretary Weissman from Pennsylvania uh, a little while ago, and you know, she had a phrase that I thought that kind of stuck in my head. Where she goes, part of the challenge is just the sheer velocity, uh, not only of the transactions, but of the uh, technologies themselves, the impacts. Uh, and the speed uh, of making big impacts uh, on uh, uh, the citizens, uh, you know, a first aid in your state as well. Um, um, do you, you feel like this? You know, it's the same concern. It's this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, the uh, the pace of change today is much much quicker than it was, or it, you know, was when we were first starting out. I, I've told people that uh, I remember the first day I started work. I was uh, I was given a manual typewriter with a ton of carbon paper, a big bulky electric adding machine, and a satchel bag. And <laughs> that was my equipment. That was it. That was my equipment. That was. And now I'm carrying around an iPad, a couple of phones. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah, my, my boys are the ones who sort of try to keep me current. Uh, they they see me as a luddite. Uh, uh, so yes, I, I know the field. You know the field. I know the field. Yes. So, uh, what other issues are like on your desk that you, that you're grappling with? Well, we uh, we were every now and then the bank versus credit union mm. uh, sort of the subsidized versus yeah. unsubsidized. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a ongoing uh, or less issue that's simmering and. We actually have a um, a pending case now uh, on a large credit union uh, wishing to add a very large employee group uh, to their uh, field of membership, and the bankers don't seem to be too happy about that. Uh, yeah, and just getting back to your organizational structure, you know, before uh, we started recording, uh, you were telling me the story where. You know, you made a decision, and so they have appealed that decision to this three-member judicial panel. Correct. Which, again, is a very interesting uh, yes. uh, organizational structure. Yeah, any any decision I make, uh, and I've been given delegated authority by these judges mm-hmm. to make certain decisions on applications and, you know, regulatory issues. Any decision that I make is appealable to these three judges, and uh, they are... A court of record, and uh, they have judicial powers. Any decision that they make is appealable only to the Virginia Supreme Court. Wow! So years ago, I actually made a, a I actually approved a, a, a bylaw change for a credit union that added a 
a large uh, geographic area, and it, the decision was appealed to the to the judges, and uh, uh, that decision was ultimately appealed to the Virginia Supreme Court. So we had a case go all the way to the Virginia Supreme Court. Wow, that, that's amazing. Uh, this is quite uh, uh, a, a bureau that you're running here. It is, and, and uh, we are, uh, our Bureau of Financial Institutions is actually one of 17 divisions here at the State Corporation Commission. Uh, we have insurance, securities, um, we have a clerk's office. Any, any business that incorporates in Virginia has to be registered with our clerk's office uh, downstairs. Uh, so they are the keeper of uh, articles of incorporation, mm-hmm. and business names, and every now and then they'll call us up and say, well, we've got this uh, company that wants to start a business, and they've got the word bank in the name. Uh, you can't, under our law, you can't use the can't word use bank. It, right? So they check with us and see what we think about it. And uh, we, uh, this, we, our uh, commission, our judges regulate uh, utility companies, uh, gas pipelines, um, telephone, uh, even tugboat captains in Hampton Roads. Uh, it's a wide variety of, of um, industries that are regulated. Actually, the commission was formed in 1902 here in Virginia, and it was formed to regulate railroads. Mm. But over the last 100 years or so, 100, 100 years or so, it's been given all of these additional responsibilities. So. And we have the CSX Railroad coming through town here. Yes, we do. And it goes all the way up into Washington. That's right. right. Yes, yes. Um, from all of what you're experiencing, you have any advice for your fellow state regulators? Uh, my gosh. Uh, just try to keep up. Keep up. Uh, and it helps to have a, a great staff around you. Um, I, I've been very fortunate because... Uh, a lot of the senior people that I have, uh, Bob Hughes, uh, Susan Hancock, uh, Gerald Fallen, who just retired, uh, we've been working together for almost 40 years. Goodness. And we know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we work very well as a team. And it really, my job has been made much easier by having these people uh, with me. And it really helped during the crisis. Because we were making decisions uh, on issues that we had never dealt with before. Right. And it helped to draw on all of that experience and uh, try to make the best possible decision that we could. So building out a team and relying on their expertise. Yes, very much so. But, but I've been fortunate because we have a lot of people in this entire agency that have been here a long time. Yeah. And there's a tremendous amount of institutional knowledge. We've made all the mistakes. So we've tried not to make those mistakes. <laughs> well, that's a great way to end. Yeah, let's end on that optimistic <laughs> note. Cho, again, thank you for uh, inviting us down. It's been great to talk with you. And, uh, and we'll talk soon. Well, thank you, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to follow more podcasts from CSBS, We're available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple Podcasts. Just search for Simply Stated and press the subscribe button. Or check us out on our website, csbs.org. Just go to the newsroom and you can easily find our pods there. I'm Jim Kurtzke. See you next time.